When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lund alongside Al Renato, a.k.a. As New York sports radio fans know him, the great Al from White Plains. And this is New Report, Old Report, here on Wednesday, October 9th, from 8 to 9 Eastern Time, live on Sports Radio America. If you missed the live show, you can catch the replay all week, also at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or find the show's bonus content by searching for The Bridge Sports Podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, as well as at LondonBridge.com. If you want to interact with the show, you can text in a question, comment, or complaint to 929-274-3437, or if you're brave enough, leave a voicemail with the same, and we'll play what you have to say on air, again by calling 929-274-3437. This week... An eh, NFL Week 5, and the MLB postseason is hot. Check your sources. We're off. Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Or we don't know. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. Playoff baseball, and of course, the National Football League. Or for you NBA fans, overseas hoops. Though I'm not sure many people are that inclined in that aspect of things. And unfortunately, the -the off-the-court stories for the National Basketball Association have trumped, pun intended, no pun intended, what's been going on in their league. We'll skip over that. We'll hit on the NFL We'll get to one of our favorite talking points, baseball, as one series has concluded. Series continue. A lot of excitement on the diamond. But first, we lead with your former favorite team, the Cleveland Browns. And the ups and downs of that franchise and team for this particular season have been incredible. For the past several years, it's been downs. And no one has cared because they knew it was coming. Unsuccessful seasons. There was hope last year. There was even more hope this year times 100. There's been highs. There's been lows. There's been expectations. And it seems like when they rise one week, they quickly follow the next, which happened this past week as they get beat up by the San Francisco unbeaten 49ers. And the storylines continue now and switch to the negative of how good is Baker Mayfield? How good is this team? And how far can they go in the AFC North? It's really the story that keeps on giving for this NFL season, which wasn't that exciting this past week five. So at least we have that to go on. He is my partner, folks, and he has said pretty much everything you need to know about the National Football League that transpired this past Thursday Sunday and Monday, because it was as uneventful a weekend in the NFL as you can possibly imagine or remember in terms of exciting games, in terms of excellent performances. I mean, we've got a few here and there. We had a coach firing. No surprise. We talked about it previously on this show. This is the new report. This is the old report. The new guy says 
disappointing Browns. The old guy says not only disappointing, but disappointing not because they're two and three, but because the way they've gotten to two and three. This has been a team that has been literally announced to be the second coming offensively with their excellent young quarterback coming off an outstanding rookie season who I love. I love them in Oklahoma. I love them as a pro. I love the swagger. I love the attitude. I love the way his teammates love him. They bring in the supposedly great wide receiver from the Giants, young Mr. Beckham, who is going to make a huge impact and make them the most electrifying, electrifying offense in the National League, going with Jar- National Football League, going with Jarvis Landry, added to Nick Chubb. They've got the Kansas City running back coming back from suspension shortly. They've got a big-time defense, defensive lineman all over the map, one of the leading sackers in the league. And what have they done so far? They have done nothing remotely resembling the kind of performance on the offensive side of the football that we expect. They've been inconsistent. Uh, The only strong overall performance was surprisingly against my team, the Baltimore Ravens, where their defense was terrific and their offense was terrific in terms of running the ball, in terms of throwing the ball, and their defense against the Ravens was excellent. But the win against the Jets, you almost have to not even consider because the Jets are so bad with all their injuries and playing with no quarterback, pummeled again this week you know, by the Eagles, winless. So they had played one terrific game against the Ravens. They played an okay game against the Jets and won. They were pummeled at home in their home opener by the Titans. And last night, they were absolutely, positively embarrassed against the San Francisco 49ers, the now undefeated San Francisco 49ers, with their new off-the-charts defense, who hurried, harried, and completely dominated Baker Mayfield, and that supposed unstoppable electrifying offense. Beckham, again, nowhere to be found. Game was already over, but trying to do too much on a punt return. Fumbled. Uh, is this the continuation of the Beckham curse? You know, Wherever he goes, they cannot win. That remains to be seen. But right now, the Cleveland Browns, who came into this season as the most ballyhooed, exciting, electrifying, team in the National Football League, the team everybody couldn't wait to see, the team we can't wait to put them in primetime. Let's put them on Monday night. Let's put them on Sunday night. So far, not just two and three, but a two and three bust after five games in the National Football League. It's been bad to say the least. And we've talked about the Browns since we did our preseason, who's going to win, who's going to lose, who do you have in the division? And we said it was between the Browns and the Ravens. And I favored the Browns over the Ravens. I thought that the hype was real. And really, we, we have no idea still because it's been up and down, up and down. They beat the Ravens. Well, we, you think we this is not, it? We were not far apart. Right. I had the Ravens winning the division, but I had the Browns nabbing one of the Wildcats. Right. And that's still all right in the mix. The Ravens are three and two. The Browns are two and three. Pittsburgh drops to one and four with a heartbreaking loss 
to the Ravens at home in overtime, courtesy of Justin Tucker and friends, the best kicker alive, maybe the best kicker in the history of the sport, ties it late, and then wins it in overtime after an incredible punch-out fumble by Ma- and recovery by Marlon Humphrey. It's one of the best plays defensively you will see in the National Football League this year. Juju Smith-Schuster makes the catch over the middle. Humphreys goes to make the tackle, and at the same time, the right-hand punch gets the ball clean, knocks it loose after a couple guys kind of overrun it, so to speak, as it takes one of those goofy oblong bounces. Literally, remember the folks, the ball's not round. Look it up. So it doesn't bounce true. He comes out of nowhere if he makes the tackle, scoops it, and instantly they're in field goal range, and Tucker knocks one to the left of the left upright, back to the upright, and in for the win in overtime. So the Ravens go to 3-2. and two. The Steelers drop to 1-4. and four. The Unfortunately for them, miserable Bengals are 0-5. Bengals are but the, the Browns are still 2-3, and three, and obviously right in that division mix, but they do have a tough schedule. And with teams like Buffalo at 4-1 and one, in an excellent wildcard position, assuming they don't win the division, with the undefeated Pats at 5-0, and oh, and believe it or not, with the soon-to-be Las Vegas Raiders stunningly at 3-2, and two, a team I pick for an automatic under no matter what the number is, and a surprising 3-2. and two. And the Chargers off to a disappointing start, but still being the Chargers. And the AFC South being totally up for grabs with potentially, obviously, one playoff team winning the division and potentially another playoff team with a wild card because it doesn't look like it's going to take 11 wins to get a wild card. Maybe 10, who knows, maybe even 9. The Browns are still right in that mix. However, they are playing lousy football. They are in no way should perform in control of the games they play, and they went out on the road to the left coast and were thoroughly embarrassed, including their quarterback, who I love, who had, if not the worst, certainly one of the worst nights of his young career. And it's hard to place specific blame and feel confident with that blame. Is it all on Baker Mayfield? Is it all on his wide receivers, his offense as a whole? Is it on the coaching staff? Is it on the defense? Who is to blame in what has been keeping the Cleveland Browns from reaching their expectations to this point? And I think that might end up seeping into the players. We've talked about this before in earlier episodes about if things weren't going well for the Browns, would that start going to the players, to the team as a whole, getting a little chippy, getting a little chirpy about how things are going in the locker room or their displeasures on the field? Surprisingly, we have yet to hear that, especially from Odell Beckham Jr., who has done next to nothing this season so far. Just one touchdown, one shining game, really. Other than that, he's been quiet. The whole offense as a whole has been quiet, but they have been doing the right things in a sense, not publicly calling anyone out. The only people publicly calling the Browns out were the 49ers after their game. Nick Bosa, Chirpin Baker, Richard Sherman, Chirpin Baker. Getting a little cocky in San Francisco. I like it for the undefeated 49ers. Well, remember, that that's a Nick Bosa whose alma mater is Ohio State, where, for folks who remember, Baker Mayfield went and planted the flag right, uh, after they beat Ohio State. So, the young Bosa fella chirping away. The problem I had with the Bosa's, as I said before, whichever one or both, 
is that they need to play a little more before they start chirping. They don't play at Ohio State. They take the second half of the season off to prepare themselves for the draft, and then they're always hurt. But you did play a big-time game last night. That defense was off the charts. This is one of the best, if not the best, non-defensive line in the National Football League, and they thoroughly dominated what we have talked about being the Achilles heel, so to speak, of this Browns team, which is their offensive line. There was not a lot of time to throw. There was no running game. The offense was was virtually silent, non-existent, and totally shut down by this young Niner defense, led by the mouthing, the chirping, the back, and maybe better than ever, one and only, Stanford born and bred, Richard Sherman, who last night at the podium said, we're back, we never went anywhere, how you like me now? He is playing terrific, he is fully recovered from the injuries, the Achilles, etc. And this is the Richard Sherman, at least a reasonable facsimile of the Richard Sherman we saw at the top of the NFL charts at the cornerback position in his days with the Legion of Boom for that tremendous Super Bowl winning and Super Bowl runner-up Seattle Seahawks defense. It was good to hear him back. Absolutely. It was. Brings of life to the National Football League. The National Football League needs Richard Sherman to be great and to talk about it. Even though his reasoning in going after Baker Mayfield for him not shaking his hand and respecting the league, video surfaced of the beginning of the game before the coin toss where they all shook hands to start the game. So that kind of took away from his argument. I guess he meant they didn't shake hands a second time. I didn't know that that was protocol, but he kind of had to backtrack a little bit and just said, it doesn't matter because we whooped their ass anyway. So videos or not, and whatever I said, Regardless, the National Football League needs some oomph right now. It needs some color. It needs some bombastic performance on the field and a little something off the field. And if Richard Sherman is playing well on the field, you can guarantee he will give it to you off the field, and it's fine with me. Because as long as you walk the walk, it's fine if you talk the talk. What it also needs is a healthy Patrick Mahomes. And let me preface this by saying what I'm sure many pundits have said when talking about what happened to the Chiefs is not to take away from what the Colts did because they won that football game. Healthy Patrick Mahomes or not, they played a hell of a football game on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively, had all the answers seemingly on each side of the ball to stymie the Colts, or the Chiefs, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, that offense held to 13 points, held in check for most of the game. You you were just really waiting for something to happen. Patrick Mahomes limping around on that ankle that gets hit not once but twice, so I'm sure that doesn't help him in the passing game with that offensive line that makes him run around a little bit more than he'd probably like to on a bum ankle. So there's that. It was a great win for the Colts, who were for real. I mean, they watched their coach leave. They had to get a new coach. I love their coach. Still new coach. coach. They watched their head quarterback, their franchise quarterback say, eh, I'm good. I'm retiring. (laughs) A week before preseason ends, he leaves. So they're left in shambles in a sense and it doesn't phase them at all. They're a great football team. Probably headed to the postseason 
and can make some noise there as they keep continuing to improve. Finally, things are coming together for the Colts. Who would have thought it would be without Andrew Luck? They've been well, doing remember, great. This is, a, this is a new general manager after a much maligned general manager. I'm not going to say he's responsible for, but many accuse him of bearing a great deal of responsibility for the beating Andrew Luck took because he refused to draft quality offensive linemen in front of his quarterback. He never did. This general manager has made sure that it was first priority. Um, still, unfortunately, uh, Andrew Luck left us because he could not recover to his liking from an injury that I really won't put on the offensive line because it wasn't the, the type of beating uh, injury. You know, a calf injury is not something you really point to as an injury that's a result of taking a constant pounding. But the point is, he's gone, but this team is intact. This is a young impressive excellent defense they have a wonderful offensive line they have for lack of a better term a solidly average game manager <laughs> at quarterback uh they have a receiving core the bottom line is they can win with a defense that travels and a offense that takes care of the football and so far so good. Have they had a couple of blips on the screen? Absolutely. They're not a great football team. But they're a good football team. And considering the fact that they lost a quarterback of that caliber, it is a statement in favor of the organization. And it's certainly a statement in favor of the staff and Frank Wright, who I think is probably the most underrated coach in the National Football League. Uh, he was an afterthought. He was not their first choice, clearly. And as a result, he took the job. I'm not going to say with a chip on his shoulder because that's not his style. But he took the job with fervor. He hit the ground running. And he has done an absolutely tremendous head coaching job uh, for these young Colts. Unlike a coach who we just said goodbye to and not a moment too soon. That is maybe in recent memory the worst coach in the National Football League in at least the last half dozen years that I can remember, a man who, when I listen to him speak, I have no idea what he's talking about, no idea what game he was watching, and he just sounds like a dope. And if it walks like a dope and it talks like a dope, chances are it's a dope. Jay Groot, finally done and gone in Washington. I hate to see anybody called in at 5 o'clock in the morning to be fired, and I don't quite understand the uh, mindset behind that, the rationale, unless you know he gets paid for the rest of his contract uh, if he's fired after sunup. That's all I can think of. But he's called in at 5 o'clock Monday morning. He has given his walking papers not a moment too soon because the Redskins are in complete disarray and a total mess in the National Football League. And it doesn't just end... At the quarterback or at the coaching position for them, unfortunately, you have the GM coming out and, and saying how great the culture is there and, and how great things are still behind the scenes. The culture is actually is pretty to, damn what good. Year is he referring to? Is he referring to the, to the Joe Gibbs Super Bowl years? What 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 era is he referring to in terms of the culture? Couldn't, the Washington Redskins have become, unfortunately, 
this great franchise that used to have that stadium filled and the prior stadium, RFK, filled every week, shaking. On, you would watch the camera shake when that stadium roared. Then the second house that Jack Kent could cook built, you couldn't get a ticket for 10 years. Now you can't give them away. The wait list was as long as, you know, the, the arms of, uh, of Kevin Durant. Now nobody wants to go except the visiting team's fans. That stadium is filled with Cowboy fans. It's filled with Eagle fans. It's filled with anybody and everybody but Redskin fans. They are a complete eyesore in a major market in the NFL. It's terrible. From the top down, from Dan Snyder to the Water Boys, the whole culture is not damn good, to put it bluntly, and needs a, a complete change. And I don't know if they're waiting to, to build the new stadium or move the team or whatever they think the answer is going to be, but whatever coach comes in is... They've got a new stadium. They have a new st- this, this is a dead franchise walking. The Buffalo Bills are 4-1 and one, playing in Ralph Wilson Stadium. There's one of the oldest stadiums in the league. Newly minted, rich stadium many moons ago. They're still playing Ralph Wilson. They talked about moving them across the border. They talked about moving them to another state. They talked about moving them here, there, everywhere. The Buffalo Bills, four and one, once again proving, as you have said many times, nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. And to think they once had a coaching staff that consisted of now Packers head coach Matt LaFleur, now 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan, and now Los Angeles Rams head coach Sean McVay. If only one of them could have stuck behind to take over what this dumpster fire can be. Because the players, from reports, didn't give up playing for Jay Gruden, which is surprising. I, I wouldn't fault them for that, but... They were playing hard for this guy. But the disinterest between the coaches, the GM, the owner on who to start at quarterback, what to do next, what are we going to do with the offense, the defense, there's so much disconnect, it's unbelievable. And, and you throw Dwayne Haskins into the mix now as the supposed franchise quarterback, who they threw to the Wolves to watch him throw three interceptions on his first start. Thankfully, they went back to the Colt McCoy well, which if you had money that Colt McCoy would start this year, it probably only paid you a penny to put down $1,000 because we know how much Jay Gruden loves Colt McCoy. Dwayne Haskins may or may not be ready for the National Football League. Now they have to decide, well, should we just get him these reps because the season is lost? Should we avoid having him run around like a chicken with his head cut off because of this offensive line and offense in general? There's more questions than answers, and that's been building now for the past decade plus. It's, It's a step in a slight step in the right direction to obviously move on from Drake Gruden, but the problems that they have everywhere really just mask that. So, I mean, good luck. <laughs> good luck to the Redskins fans. The name and the owner is the least of the problems it's become. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. 
We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. They've been bypassed by the Arizona Cardinals, who are now in the win-and-tie column, coming off a game that they had in control. Bengals came back to tie it, and the Cardinals come back and get the Duke behind their young Heisman Trophy winner quarterback, throwing and running. Kyler Murray leads them to a win by a field goal. They break into the win column. See what we are left with the Cincinnati Bengals, 0-5. The Washington Redskins, 0-5. Of course, it goes without saying, the New York Jets, 0-5. They get a bit of a pass because of the absolute mass unit that is playing out of New Giants Stadium, uh, specifically at the quarterback spot, more, most importantly of all, as Sam Donald continues, hopefully, to recover uh, from when I was in high school, we called it the kissing disease, uh, modern nucleosis, but who knows what caused this one for Sam and obviously severe case. And of course, I guess, you know, it really is hard to say now because I'm going to give the Jets the pass because of injuries. But in terms of health on the field, if I said to you, gun to your head, which of these three teams is the worst team in the National Football League, the 0-5 Dolphins, the 0-5 Redskins, or the 0-5 Bengals? Uh, we'll, leave the Jets. we'll leave the Jets out as I said. The 0-5 Cincinnati Bengals. Of that triumvirate, which in your mind is – the worst team in the NFL. I don't want to say the Dolphins because they're doing this on purpose. They're bad in general, yes, but there is a method supposedly to their madness where this is somewhat on purpose for them to be this bad. And it's funny enough, God bless us all, in week six we get to see the Redskins play the Dolphins. So one of scalpers, those teams... <laughs> that's what we call that one, Scalpers Delight. Yeah, dear Lord. One of those teams you think, unless there's a tie, which, God help us, there could be, Eminently will pick up possible. their first win. Eminently possible. I mean, it's hard not to say the Bengals, just because they have names that we know, and Andy Dalton the, is see, a quarterback pro- that's done the, well. The thing here, though, for me, that is that the Bengals... But not always, but at least this week, they competed. The Dolphins have not competed yet. If you're not going to compete, if you're not going to try, and we can't tell when you are or when you're not. We just know you're horrible. We think you're not trying. That makes you even more embarrassing. That makes you even lesser of a franchise. So if I, I've got to put a thumb on the scale in favor of the, the Dolphins as being the worst team. However... In my mind, right now, not far behind are the Redskins. Because I think if you put the Redskins and the Bengals on a neutral field, I think the Bengals would win. But this is right now what this league has sunk to because this is what we are talking about. We are talking about not the best teams. We're talking about the worst teams. Who are the worst teams in the National Football League? Who are the most embarrassing teams when they go out there? Used to be you couldn't wait to watch a game. You couldn't wait to watch whatever game was aired. Now, with all the different avenues and 
media outlets you have to watch all the games. Tell me how you would possibly want to watch the Dolphins or the Redskins, all right, or even the Bengals in a game. How would you, other than you know, going out to look for train wrecks and watch car accidents, please tell me why you would spend three hours, unless they're playing your favorite team, which you which probably turn it off at halftime, with the outcome already, you know, no longer in doubt. Please tell me how you would enjoy watching the Miami Dolphins, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Washington Redskins, and in the current state they are, the New York Jets play a National Football League game. How in any way, shape, or form can that be enjoyable? You can. And maybe the NFL knows that, and that's why they stuck us with 10 games at 1 p.m. for week five and just two in the 4 o'clock hour Eastern time, which was ridiculous in itself that they can't spread out the schedule more so than that. But maybe it's because of that reason. All right, you're not going to watch the Bengals. You're not going to watch the Dolphins. You're not going to watch the Jets. You're not going to watch maybe even the Cardinals. So we'll put them all on at the same time and give you a couple more options since those guys will be off the table. We'll let them play behind the scenes. The Redskins scoring seven points against the New England Patriots who have seemingly run into zero challenges to this point and now get to play the Jets next with a potential return of our mononucleosis quarterback. They're playing the Giants on a short week where the Giants have basically come out and said, everyone on our team except for Daniel Jones on the offensive side is hurt. (laughs) And we have a quick turnaround to get everyone healthy. And they're not going to be. So who knows who's going to take the field on Thursday night football when the Patriots play the Giants. Great. Wonderful. We are airing on Tuesday nights, folks, instead of our usual Monday night because my co-host... Could not do the show last night. He was spoken for. Why, I don't know. He thought it was necessary as we shift out of an incredibly boring weekend in the National Football League to an incredibly exciting time in Major League Baseball. My partner, Yankee Fanatic, thought for some reason it was necessary to watch his Yankees play the Minnesota Twins in Game 3 shockingly thinking for some reason the outcome was ever in doubt. Hello to Major League Baseball. Can we somehow find a way when the Minnesota Twins make the playoffs to keep them away from the New York Yankees so we cannot have every year a series that is the most disinteresting, unentertaining, boring, predictable series in the history of the sport? Because you know no matter what the rosters say, no matter who's got home field, no matter what the pitching matchups are or what the lineups say, that the Minnesota Twins couldn't beat the hideous 1965-6-7-8-9-70, the New York Yankee teams of Drek years after the 1964 World Series, the mid to late 60s, the late Mickey Mantle years, the teams that were hideous, the teams that were the end of the era, the teams that were unwatchable when 18 people were in Cavernous Yankee Stadium. The Twins couldn't have beat those teams. They cannot beat New York, no matter where they play, no matter how well they pitch. They get Frady scared. It is like the freshman team playing the varsity team. And this freshman team is filled with sixth graders. It is unwatchable baseball. Why bother 
Again, last night I fell asleep once the Yankees took the lead. Why? Because once the Yankees take the lead against the Twins, you can turn your sets off. The game is over. Please tell me how you were concerned about watching that game last night with a possible threat that your team could lose. Please tell me what gave you any mindset whatsoever that you would lose a game in the postseason to the Minnesota Twins. What's this now? 63 straight games you beat them in the postseason? <laughs> They're due, Al. They're due for one. I mean, this is baseball. This can't keep happening. They're due. They got to get one. I'm due, to win the, I'm due to win the lottery, too. I've been playing my whole life. I'd never win. That's about as much chance as they've got to beat the Yankees. It's incredible the statistics of how unsuccessful the Twins have been against Bases the Yankees. Bases loaded, nobody out, bottom of the second. The ball doesn't leave the infield. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, exactly. This, That's your response. This, yeah. this so is what <laughs> the fear factor? What am I missing? What am I missing here? I mean, it would have been like my Cardinals playing my Little League team. Uh, I mean, not that they would have beaten them, but what, what is the fear factor that you had... You had to move the show to Tuesday night when you're already up 2-0. It's not even like it was 2-1 or 2-2. You're up 2-0. In the, in the infinitesimal chance that you will lose, okay, it's 2-1. Not that there's any chance you were going to lose. So blame my partner, a giant tiny line, <laughs> who had no guts whatsoever last night. He had to watch his little baseball team go out and beat up on the hideous Minnesota Twinkies one more time. But he didn't have the confidence you know, in his team to do it one more time, but he could not watch the game full throttle and do the show at the same time. And the, the game ended so very late. Very small, very <laughs> small for a very large man. The game ended so late, it wouldn't have made a difference anyway. It would have been done, <laughs> recorded, sent, and there was still another hour and a half of the game. 2003 ALDS, 3-1 Yankees. 2004 ALDS, 3-1 Yankees. 2009 ALDS, 3-0 Yankees. 2010, the same. 2017, the wild card game, you guessed it, the Yankees. And then 3-0 in this latest ALDS. I don't now, know I why I not, thought this year was different. I did that real quick. I did that real quick. I believe that's 16 and 2. Yeah. I, I'm not sure why I thought this year was different. I think it was the home run fear and the pitching inconsistencies or fears on the starting side of the staff that would give up the home runs, which they did here and there. Thankfully, they, I think all of them were solo home runs. Whatever the Twins hit, there was, as they say in baseball, no damage. It happened in game one, no damage. Game two, the same. And game three, they were able to keep the Twins off the bases when they did give up the long ball and it didn't end up coming to bite them in the butt. And on the other side of the coin, their home runs always seemingly had runners on base and were daggers. So I and guess it was, the, said, it was the starting pitching said, and it was the home runs that, that you I have, was you have, And you had the Twins' bullpen, you know, aptly nicknamed by my son and I, the fire starters. They don't come in and add fuel to the fire. They just start, and the next thing you know, it's a burning building wherever they are. I, I mean, you got a guy who comes in and you know, walk a guy, hit a guy, wild pitch, and boom. You're, I mean, just it, it, it's unwatchable stuff. These guys, it, it literally looks like they're afraid to pitch against the Yankees. The fear factor is remarkable. It, it literally seems like they play the game with the attitude, and we know that's not the case. These are major leaguers. These are the best in the world. But 
when the Twins play the Yankees, it looks like they play the game with the attitude that we are not in their league and we do not have a chance of winning. They really look like they are intimidated in every aspect of the game. The pitchers don't challenge the hitters. They nibble. They never look confident. And at the plate, I mean, way too many strikeouts with runners in scoring position and just a totally different team from the team you saw in the regular season. And again, remember, as you mentioned, this is not anything remotely resembling an outstanding Yankee starting staff. Their bullpen, of course, is excellent. We all know about it. They can go to it at any time. They can get length out of it because they have so many arms coming out of that bullpen. But the Twins just make it easy because they don't compete. Yesterday, game three was the game. They had a a ton of opportunities starting early. As you mentioned, bases loaded, nobody out. You can't get a run home. Severino doesn't have his stuff. He's battling on the ropes. On, on the, the ropes. ropes. The, the towels are twirling in Minnesota. You can't hear yourself think, and it amounts to nothing. And then they pick away here, get a run there. Before you know it, they've got a lead. They go into the bullpen. Apparently, Ottavino has been a one-pitch, one-batter specialist. I, I didn't know that was on his resume, like a, a sidearm lefty, where he's only going to come have, in, face one batter, and take him out. The, when you have, John, the number of arms as a luxury that the Yankees and Aaron Boone have at their disposal, you can afford to make Adam Adovino who has no postseason pedigree whatsoever, despite his gaudy ERA, you can make him a one-at-bat pitcher. And if he walks that one guy, as his his want to do this year, because if you check his numbers, he has great strikeouts in his pitch ratios, but he he also has off-off walks for innings pitched strikeout, or uh, walks for innings pitched numbers. So, but when you have the luxury of that many big-time arms coming out of the pen, there's no reason to give Adam Adovino an opportunity to put you, put you in harm's way. So rightfully so, if he's not going to go in and do what he's supposed to do, you simply go get him. Because he has shown throughout this season that just because he walks one guy doesn't necessarily mean he will control the next guy. One can turn into two, can turn into three. We've seen him walk the bases loaded. You can't afford to do that in the postseason because all it takes is one inning like that and even a team like the Twins, even a team like the Twins, maybe, possibly, might get back in it with one big hit. So you don't give them the chance to do that because you go out and you give Adam Adovino what he richly deserves, the quick hook, if he's going to go out there and nibble away with that slider, 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 slider. I want to pitch one. He needs to trust that basketball more. But regardless, he didn't do any damage because he was backed up properly by the manager who understood now is not the time to see if Adam Avino can find his playoff wings. Now is not the time. There is no opportunity to do that in this time frame, in this environment, especially when you have the luxury of so many outstanding outs coming out of that band. So Adam Avino is... Big-time post-game performance, we'll have to wait for another day. And in this case, not surprisingly, another series. Because this one ended, as expected, in three. And shockingly, at least 
haven't been reported yet, no injuries, no severe injuries. Britain, a little banged up ankle, covering first. You know, when pitchers have to move, that's always a risk in Major League Baseball, especially with the Yankees. Chapman hurts his pitching hand post-game in the locker room when a a, a bottle goes flying across, lands on his hand. He's got to ice that down. He's supposedly going to be okay. Just put these... They, they set up the tarp and everything for the champagne and beer baths. Put the players behind the tarp, zip it up, and don't anybody move until Friday or Saturday, whenever this, this ALCS is going to start, because they're going to trip on the steps or pull their back sneezing like Sammy Sosa once did. They need to be under lock and key for the way this season is gone. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. All that said, your St. Louis Cardinals, a little yachty magic. Wouldn't have it any other way. Brings home the tying run, brings home the game-winning run. There's still life with the St. Louis Cardinals. We had an opportunity for all four series to end on one day. Only one did. So as we speak now, every team remains, including your St. Louis Cardinals, with a win or go-home game against the Atlanta Braves. Oh, baby. As you texted me yesterday, just to show you folks that this guy is an equal opportunity fan, not just married to his beloved Bronx Bombers. My partner, the great John Tinyland, texts me yesterday afternoon, yaddy, 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 uh, after the future Hall of Famer got it done with the tying base hit with two outs in the eighth and the winning sacrifice fly in the ninth. So let's talk about this real quick. What was your opinion uh, of their manager, uh, Mr. Hitch, starting Berlander on three days rest where his ERA, I believe, is 4.75? on three days rest versus saving him for either a game five start or game five out of the bullpen and all probably a game five start uh, and then call behind if necessary. I was shocked that he went with Verlander on three days rest. What was your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. I didn't think it was the series for it, if that makes sense, or the moment for it, if that too. I mean, it is the Tampa Bay Rays. And you're the Houston Astros. Your lineup alone can put together six, seven runs in the blink of an eye, even if your starting pitching isn't good for that particular game. I think it would have behooved them to just play it safe and say, hey, we can go into game five and have the two best pitchers in Major League Baseball available, similar to Kurt Schilling, Randy Johnson-esque. Throw one out for five, throw the other one out for four, and we're going home. And with the numbers, it kind of looks you in the face and says, you don't need to do this. Or it's, or it's a big risk to do that. And I know it is the Tampa Bay Rays, but home, ruckus crowd, and they get to them early, which is exactly and, what you have to do with Justin Berlin. Let's repeat that for our fans here. Describe, describe the Tampa Bay fan base tonight again, <laughs> one more time. Ruckus. I, I haven't said that in... In, in a very long well, time. Yeah, but what was the second word you used? You said crowd. Crowd. Crowd, crowd means a lot of people. <laughs> there are, in fact, a lot of people in the building for the second night in a row in Swing and Sway, Tampa Bay, a franchise that sorely needs to be moved to Montreal and become the X-Rays. 
but they've actually filled the building on two consecutive. Now, granted, two thirds of them could be Astro fans, but the point is the building is full. Now to Red Sox fans, now to Yankee fans, but it looks like a lot of Tampa fans. So uh, the Rays have extended this series, and we will now have three game fives out of four possibilities. The one, of course, being an impossibility, the Yankees and Twins. Game five, Tampa, Houston, back in Houston in a couple of days. Game five, my beloved Cardinals against the Go-Go Braves. Game five in Chavez Ravine, the Nats, Steven Strasburg against the Dodgers and Walker, don't call me Ferris Bueller. Can't get enough of them. Yesterday in St. Louis, my Cardinals take the lead. They fall behind four to three. They look dead in the water. The bullpen does a great job holding down the big-time Atlanta offense. No matter what Acuna does, they can't score him. He doubles. He triples. He walks. No matter what Dansby Swanson does, they can't score him. He gets doubles. He gets base hits. They can't score him. Freddie Freeman and Josh Donaldson still looking for hits. The Cardinals find a way to hold them off the board and keep it at 4-3. Yadi Molina, it's a little humpback liner off the glove of Sleepy Freddie Freeman to tie it. And then after dodging a leadoff, double again by Acuna in the top of the ninth. Miles Mikolas, Nicholas, whatever you choose to pronounce him, his last name goes out and pitches a scoreless top of the 10th. Your game one started out of the pen. Colt won double. Intentional walk to Goldsmith. Fielder's choice, first and third one away. They choose not to walk Molina. Spoke to the guys on MLB this morning about it. Load the bases for Matt Carpenter. As much as I intensely dislike Matt Carpenter, he is 375 with the bases loaded the last three years. Hit in only three double plays. Uh, a very good fly ball guy. The guy you want up in that situation from the Babes brave standpoint when you want a double play is Yadier Molina. However, the guy I want up there from a Cardinal standpoint where I need a fly ball is in fact Yadier Molina. Because I know Yadier Molina will do anything and everything possible to get a pitch that he can elevate. He did it yesterday. We go to game five tomorrow in Atlanta. The best pitcher in the Cardinals. Young stud, big Jack Flaherty. The best pitcher in baseball. The second half of the season. The third lowest ERA post-All-Star break in the history of sport, 0.91, against the pitcher who bested him in Atlanta in Game 2, Mike Fultonavich, who shut the Cardinals completely down, shut them out for seven innings. Game will probably be 10-9. But lo and behold, we have a Game 5 there. I can't wait. The Nats behind Matt Scherzer uh, pounded away. They beat up Rich Hill. I was surprised that Rich Hill got that start. But nonetheless, the Dodgers, everybody's picked to go to the World Series, go back home 2-2. The Dodgers, their own worst enemy. Too many analytics, too many players. Just an embarrassment of riches becomes embarrassing because they can't figure out who to play, where, when, and why. And as a result, they just run too many guys out there. And there's just no rhyme or reason to me. That was their problem last year, as good as they are. That's still my fear with respect to the Dodgers. They are their own worst enemy. They will face Steven Strasburg, who has been lights out in the postseason so far, who was brilliant against them in game one, against Walker Walker Bueller, who was brilliant against the Nets. Excuse me, uh, game two for Strasburg, game one for Bueller. So we have two incredible pitching matchups. 
for two game fives in the NLDSs. Give me some predictions, young man, on who you think will be facing each other in the NLCS with two game fives determining that tomorrow evening and that. Yeah, it's amazing we've gotten to this point. Uh, very unexpected. For It's unexpected for any of the games to go five sometimes, any of the series, I should say, but when you have a 107-win Astros team and a 106-win Dodgers team, respectively, you assume that they'll be able to get the job done in, say, four games. But here we are going to five, and, and very exciting for Yankees fans, obviously, that the Astros' arms will be used a little bit more than the Yankees will, potentially heading into the ALCS for either team. I think the Cardinals-Braves game will definitely be exciting in that they have the best chance of it going one way to the other. Trading leads, trading ties, it could go back and forth like it has done all series. I'll side with your Cardinals just because we do the show together. It doesn't really make a difference <laughs> to me who wins what. I don't care. The, the Braves haven't been a relevant team for the Yankees since we got to the 2000s, so it's okay. They're young and exciting, but go ahead. Go Cardinals. Get St. Louis happy again. The hockey, just continue the hockey happiness. I would lean toward the better teams. Thankfully for the Dodgers and Dave Roberts, Steven Strasburg is a righty, so I don't think they'll be sitting potential NL MVP Cody Bellinger because God forbid he goes up against a left-handed pitcher. Though if I were the Nationals, I would bring one in for every one of his at-bats just to mess with Dave Roberts' head. Take Strasburg out. No, not, don't even take him out. Put him in the field. Put him at first base. Put him in the outfield for a batter. Bring somebody else in to throw lefty to Cody Bellinger and mean mug Dave Roberts while you do it for his stupidity in taking out some of his best players because papers tell him to do so. I'll lean Dodgers just because of their lineup and, and what they've done throughout this season. They'll be home. The crowd will be crazy, as we know. And I'll lean the Astros for the same reason. You know, the Astros fans, a lot of olds for the old report side of the show as their fan base. Did you notice that? The people behind home plate that bought those tickets, everybody's old. It's like they rolled Nolan Ryan out there to get everyone excited, and they're all fans that watched him pitch. There's no young people at these Houston Astros games. They, had, they got their season tickets when they were in the Astrodome. That's right. right. That's right. They, 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 they were Colt 45 fans. Look it up, folks. That was the original name of the Houston Astros. They were born as the Houston Colt 45s and later on changed their name to the Astros, and the building was dubbed the Astrodome, the eighth wonder of the world, a building which still stands and was a building that I always wanted to go see because when I was a kid, it was really the first building, obviously, that was domed, but it had the exploding scoreboard. When anybody hit a home run, the six guns would come out and would shoot six shooters and it would explode and it was the only place in baseball that had that so it was exciting and it was entertaining so you always hoped that the astros would be on tv but now this is an astro team that is in a building that's built like a bandbox. uh they score a ton of runs they've got a lineup that is for the ages and they've got a big two one two punch will number two came through come through in a game five uh, so that is an incredibly interesting game five coming up Ferris Bueller against Strasburg. I'm going to give the edge to the Dodgers simply because as terrific and as dominant as Strasburg has been 
he is still more of a six to seven inning pitcher. And that puts an onus on a bullpen that will in all probability be absent Max Scherzer and Patrick Corbin coming out of the pen for two reasons. One, Max Scherzer pitched his harder for seven innings last night. And two, Patrick Corbin just came out of the bullpen the other night and was bombed. So I'm very concerned about, from the Washington standpoint, what's behind Steven Strasburg. But, you know, if they hit, it's not going to matter. On the other hand, Bueller has been terrific. Uh, I still like the fact that the Dodgers can bring out Kenta Maeda out of the pack uh, and, you know, Baez. Uh, and I, we haven't even mentioned Kenley Jansen, who hasn't been, you know, had any impact in this series whatsoever. So I like the way the Dodgers are set up more than I like the way the Nats are set up because of uh, what can come out of the pen to supplement Walker Buehler. And as for my Cardinals and the Braves, well, obviously, you know, I'm rooting for I have no idea who's going to win. All I can say is I'm going to take my chances with the best pitcher in the second half of the season with the third lowest ERA in the history of the sport post-All-Star break in Big Jack Flaherty. And the Cardinals can do a little something with the bats, which is about all they're ever able to do, a little something. So I think it's going to be incredibly interesting. You can't have enough fun with two game fives on our hand tomorrow in the senior circuit, the league of record where they play real baseball, not beer league softball, you know, that they play in the American League. No DH, a lot of managerial decisions, pinch hitter, double switches, etc. Should be a world of fun. Can't wait for two game fives tomorrow evening and tomorrow night. And if you're in Major League Baseball, you can't be happier. You have three game fives in general, and two of them are happening with four hysteric franchises who are going to be all in for it and you don't have to worry about football getting in the way which i'm sure they're more than happy about al it's always a pleasure we'll do it again next week folks until next we speak until next you hear us from my partner the great john tiny Lund. i am el renato akl from white plains have a great sports week and go redbirds take care everybody We'll be back next Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.